We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Rooney Podcast. This is episode 153 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Buxo here to give you some sporting stylings for the next Oh, uh, let's not put a time on it, but we're going to try and get you to an hour here. It is a two-pod week, Matt, uh, first and foremost, as we start every single one of these. How are you today? Uh, you know, I w- woke up by some thunderstorms around 7 in the morning around here, fell back asleep a little bit, but it's, it's going to be one of those, you know, hoodie and sweatpants, jury kind of, not that most of these days during the quarantine have been a hoodie and sweatpants kind of day, but uh, it's supposed to be raining all day, so it's going to be, you know, bundled up inside, get some work done, and probably call it a day kind of early. Now, one of my that's that's kind of one of my favorite like Chicago um, temperate climate days is mm-hmm. when you get the rain, but it's warm enough to have the window open. Do you have cold rain right now, or do you have like bundled up with the window open rain? Because that's that's short list. Give me a few of those a year. Well, I'm a happy man. I have not stepped outside today, so I will. Okay. I will preface this by that I am get a little fresh air on your nose. What do you? We- think? Weather Channel says we got 56 degrees outside, so yeah, this doesn't that's, feel that's like sweet spot. That's not a cold rain. That's an I can I can pop open the porch door if I want to with the screen door there to, to keep most of the rain out. I can probably do that if I want to to get a little raindrop, get a little fresh air in the building. I agree. I played with you. six I like holes that. of golf in 56 and rainy yesterday. Coastal. <laughs> Not Just, yesterday. Uh, I was going to say, you, ago. you only played six, or the six of the 18 were in the six rain? Six of the 18 were in the rain. Okay. Skies parted. Moses huh. Red Sea stuff. How'd you hit him? This was this was the round that we already touched upon. Uh, oh, we don't want to dig too deeply. I will into say, our, uh, I, I kind of forget these things. Into our golf transgressions here. There will be some golf topics on the pod today, but we're going to kind of switch up the format a little bit. We've done it in the past. We're going to go heavy buy or sell hit some topics because we know we are sort of in this limbo stage, but there are still things to talk about. We're going to get our take on them. Uh, Matt, we're going to, we're going to test your temperature uh, on some of these topics. And then we are going to get into some golf topics down the stretch. Uh, there is a resumption of play coming. There is a video game. There are a uh, list of 18 questions. We're going to kind of go hole for hole here uh, that we're going to rapid fire through. So it should be a good pod, but Matt, uh, why don't we dive right into this, uh, why don't we dive right into a little bit of buy or sell? What do you say? I love it. You want me to start or you want to go? Lead us off. All right. I'm going to start out with uh, with some college football talk, college football question. Obviously, I don't believe – I don't remember the exact uh, schools on the list, but a lot of California schools saying they're not – college is not going to be open uh, on campus for the first fall semester. Mm-hmm. Obviously, putting some college football in jeopardy. So I'm going to be real plain and simple to you. Uh, September 5th, Alabama and USC are scheduled to kick off. I believe that's week one. Uh, week zero is whatever the week before with whatever game, but uh, buy do or know, sell. Do you know where? Because it matters. Uh, I I will Google that. I believe it's okay. going. It, I, I'm knowing Alabama where they open the season. I will guess that is the in the Georgia Dome. But if you give me a few quick seconds here, I can probably pull that up. Okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. It's a good podcast. It's here, going to be a neutral site. I know that. it's going to be a neutral site. I'll find it, but continue on with your diatribe. I'm just going to say, that was, pretty that was simple, buy or sell, buy Alabama, or USC are going to kick off on September uh, on September 5th, 2020. You know, the more we hear and the more that comes out of... It's at Jerry World in Arlington. Then, I mean, if you can get USC there, and, and if the NCAA has, has given the green light on, you know collegiate sports being played, I'll buy it. But it's going to be very interesting because 
you know, you had the NCAA come out and say there will be no fall sports if there are not fall classes. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? If UFC or UFC, USC is holding fall classes online, does that mean sports will go on? If they're not holding classes, but let's say Alabama is holding classes, then, then where does that leave the two parties? Uh, there are so many contingencies and there are so many hurdles that need to be cleared for these two teams to meet at Jerry's World on that given date that, I mean, from a percentage standpoint right now, to get everyone on the same page, it doesn't feel likely. I have like 20. Because of how differently different states are running things and how differently different uh, schools are running things. It's just as much politics as it is sport, as it is school. Uh, People are using this on every frontier, whether it be the NBA, uh, they want to change the Supermax rule, whether it be mm-hmm. the MLB wanting to tr- change some structure and not not being able to come to terms with players about what a pay scale could look like for this season or a universal DH. You have other things in the NCAA and eligibility rules that are being floated. It's politics. Just like when a big bill comes out, every politician is going to try and piggyback that bill with whatever uh, their platform is, with whatever they want to change, with whatever they want to inject into it. So I'm looking at all of this with a side eye. I'm trying to look at what these governing bodies' ulterior motives might be. So I guess that doesn't really answer your question, but that does add to the fact that I am wary of these things going off without a hitch, kicking off on September 3rd. I think that you're going to have some schools that are ready to go and saying, are you going to forfeit this contest? You're going to have other schools that are saying, you know, the California schools probably, the, uh, I mean, I don't know how many... East, I'm trying to think of what are, are there any East Coast powerhouses up in the Northeast that you got to worry about near high. Not really, like, no. Like Florida schools will be ready to play football. Florida mm-hmm. schools will play football right now if you told them they could. It's a mentality thing. It's a leadership thing. And it's all about where that belief lies. And I think that you're going to have a lot of issue with Pac-12 schools being able to get to these venues and play these games. Yeah, I, I you've actually said that much more uh, educatedly and well thought out than I could, but I, I pretty much agree with you just about everything you said there. I, I kind of think there's way too many factors up in limbo variables that are probably not going to be solved by then or by the time that they need before Alabama probably has to say, well, if, if we don't have an opponent, we're not sure you're going to be able to play. We have to go find somebody that's going to be able to play. Um, so I, I don't really think it happens. I really hope it does because it, that seems like it could be a really, really fun week one matchup. But obviously there's a lot more factors at stake uh, than just the fun matchup. So I, I don't really think it happens. I think you're going to see Alabama scrambling to find. And, and some of these other schools, too, with week one matchups with schools in, in certain states uh, trying to find somewhere else, someone else to play. Uh, going off script here early and often, Matt. I, I'd what we do best. Same, I'd pose the same question to you in the sense of buy or sell September 10th. Kansas City versus Houston in KC. I'm going to buy that. I, See, I I'd, buy I'd, that. I'd buy that one I as would, well. I would buy that. There's a lot less. Um, but there's a lot less of that. You can move like educational yeah. red tape to get through exactly. to be able to justify the, the fact that these kids are student athletes, quote unquote. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. These are employees in the NFL. Exactly. And if these your employer says it's time to play football, it's time to play football. You can. Like, we saw uh, Florida and I think Arizona both kind of have now said, you know, they're opening up. I know the Florida governor. I think Arizona said something similar. Like, hey, we yeah. have facilities. Obviously, like, we will find ways to open our doors. You know, open our state's doors yeah. to pro yeah. teams. Maybe not I mean, any pro. 
probably not a long term thing. Home hey, stadium. You can't Yankees play. Come, on come down. here. We'll figure it Mets out. Like come we, we on can down. Yeah. whatever. Like they have spring training facilities. Football is a little bit more tricky, but you know, Florida's you not. You just can't do on. that at the collegiate level. Yeah, you can't tell you know kids, student athletes that aren't getting paid. Hey, we're moving to. You can't tell USC. Hey, we're moving to Florida for the year. Or you, you just can't do that. Pro athletes, you, you kind of can. Uh, it's going to be weird. Yeah. It'd be odd to see you know the Houston Tech or not the Houston Texans, but you know the LA Rams playing a home game in Arizona or Florida or wherever. But it seems like a logical and realistic explanation or uh, solution. Excuse me at this point. Uh, Pac-12 football's been on the outs for a while, anyway. I still it's Pac-12 after dark, <laughs> man. That's that's my that's, right. that's when maybe, I had a, that's when I'm maybe. down some money at the end of a college football Saturday. There's always that 9:30 kickoff that I just there's there's hope. Maybe there's the hope. chancellor at the University of Texas will find a little space on campus for Oregon and Stanford and the likes. I would uh, like that. Don't see it happening, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 pretty cold on uh, college football and, and pretty headstrong in the fact that we're going to have some NFL football. Now, yeah. we're going to have conversations not to be had today, but them talking about the second wave in November when it gets cold out again and whether or not that happens, this and that, dead center coming down the stretch of the NFL season. Um, there's going to be there's going to be more issues that arise, but we're talking about getting started with the season in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, I'm going to throw one your way here. Surely. Uh, we have three UFC events in the span of eight days. Yesterday, Wednesday, was the second of the three. Uh, a UFC fight night, once again, held in Jacksonville, as all three of these events are. Matt, buy or sell empty arena UFC. I don't know how much of this you've taken in. Yesterday was on ESPN+. Plus. Um, it was pay-per-view prior to, and I know you said you watched some of the pay-per-view. Yeah. I, I watched pretty much every punch of both cards, but I want to I want to get your take on it here. Buy or sell so, empty arena UFC. What I'm going to need from you here is is a reminder when there is a UFC event coming up. Is I usually I'm, I'm not the usually, TV guide channel man. Well, no, but we usually on the on the big fights on you know big Saturday nights, all that stuff. Like yes. the, the ones that are getting teased. I know when those are coming up. I didn't yeah. know there was an event last night. Had I known and there was, I probably would have flipped to it. Obviously, to not fair, nearly as big as Gaethje Ferguson or anything like that. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, but, but there there were some names on it. Um, okay. OS fought Rothwell, who are two uh, two big heavyweights. One was a light heavyweight. He moved up to heavyweight. That was sort of the storyline there. Um, and then the main event was Glover Teixeira and Ant- Glover okay, Teixeira I did see and that Anthony name Smith, yesterday. which was an absolute bloodbath. Like uh, just. Just blood sport, a, a little too much carnage even for me. But I, I want to get your take on what you saw, at least on Saturday night, from a product. What I saw on MP Saturday. A UFC by yourself. Maybe it's because I'm so starved for sports right now, but I, I buy it. I'm in on it. Like I will watch it. I know we talked a little bit on the last podcast about how the, the lack of fans does take something out of it. But I also think it kind of adds something to it, too. You can kind of hear the guys you know, going back and forth a little bit. You can hear a little bit from yeah. the corner. It, I mean, not a ton, but you kind of kind of hear. Yesterday, some of the things Matt, was, there. I don't know if you saw the clip and, of it, but yesterday, as Glover Teixeira is dismantling Anthony Smith, he's on top of him against the cage late in the fight, and he goes, "Sorry, Anthony, part of the uh, part of the job description or something like that." In like his accent, he goes, "Sorry, awesome. Anthony, part of the business or something like that." And uh, uh, it, and, and and Anthony goes, are, "It is what it is, man." As he's getting his head beat in, it was just like weird. That, like those are like those are the moments we don't get. Like th- those are the aspects, the things that we don't get. That you know, that 
that don't yeah. we don't get when there are fans in the stands that if there were fans in the stands and we heard that that story that was said like people would eat that up and now we're kind of getting to live and hear about like those those cool behind the scenes stories so like it, in a weird way it's almost like you're kind of watching the fight from a behind the scenes aspects in, in some likes because you get to hear kind of the you know the, the background that goes into it and you know, some of the back and forth the trash talk like, we've all been they, some of the most popular segments we get from sports when they're over are the mic'd up segments hearing what people are you know saying actually on the field to each other and these are the live yeah. unedited version of the mic'd up segments not you know what each team's corner approves so i think it's kind of cool and i also thought um Greg, I, I know greg hardy's a trash human being and a terrible <laughs> human being um but he had a quote on after his fight on saturday saying you know i i, I think he he won his fight right he was getting he's, yeah. he was losing early he on, heard cormier he actually heard he heard analysis from Anik. It was Daniel Cormier. He said he heard him saying something about his he legs. Might be right, but he's like, I, I heard, I heard him saying this, and I was like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what I got to do. He did it, and then ended up, ended up turning the tide, winning the fight. So it's, it adds a di- different aspect for all of us. It's not something I want to last forever. It's not something that's going to last forever. But while it's here, yeah, I, I'm in on it. I buy it, and I'm going to watch more UFC now because they're one. Yeah, of the I buy it back. in a vacuum for sure because of like you said, uh, you know, we're just at a. We're just at a, a deficit of live events right now. What, where I mm-hmm. did take issue is that, and I know it's it's existent whether there's one person in the crowd, no one in the crowd, or 20,000 people in the crowd, but the final moments of fights like Teixeira, Anthony Smith are tough for me, where you're just like praying yeah. for a stoppage, where, where you're wondering why where you're wondering why a referee hasn't stepped in and the silence in that moment was a little bit stomach turning for me. And I'm a fan of the sport. I know these guys signed up for it. They know what they're doing. It is modern day gladiator in a cage. It's great for what it is. And if you love fight sports, I Mm -hmm. think MMA is the next frontier. It's gaining steam. Even if you're a purist boxing fan, there are things to love about MMA because there's so much stand up, there's so much boxing, there's so much technique on the feet mm-hmm. mixed in with other stuff. But just watching a guy who, and same thing with um, Ferguson on Saturday, where his will, his might, his refusal to give up is bigger than his heart. And, and that, that, I say heart from an anatomical standpoint, where like, you're yeah. going to seriously hurt yourself because your will, your inability to wave your own flag, your own throw in your own towel, is getting in the way of you and the possibility of walking home to your family. Like Those were two fights that reached the fringe that were stopped and both were probably stopped a little bit late. And I know that happens regardless mm-hmm. of how many fans are in the stands, but being able to see it and hear it and those seconds feel like minutes when there's nothing else, when the, yeah, when the crowd's not crescendoing to let you know it's almost over. It just feels like a beatdown that's never going to end. Um, that was the one drawback to it for me, and that kind of goes back to the point that I made on the podcast earlier in the week that I think from a production standpoint, we could work some more music in here. Uh, bell rings, give me some music so I don't have to hear these guys like spitting mm-hmm. and feeling terrible and, and talking to their corners. Anthony Smith came to his corner before the fifth round uh, yesterday, and it, it probably should have been stopped in the fourth round or the corner of Anthony Smith should have said, that's enough. But he came to the corner, and he told his corner man or his team of three guys there, he goes, my teeth are falling out. Not I got, not I got a tooth <laughs> knocked out. 
my teeth are falling out. That he'd been my teeth are falling. So yeah, I saw that, that his teeth were just starting to loosen and fall out. That's where. Whereas a corner man, or at least one of your corner men, at that point needs to say, you know, why don't we, why don't we keep him in the corner here and say goodnight? Because there was really no way he was coming out and winning this thing. And just, I guess, some of those things. Everything's amplified. I guess is what I'm getting at here. The good and the bad. Uh, the sound of a body shot, but also uh, the the sound of a a grown man wincing at the end of a fight, worried about, you know, his well-being. Yeah. So everything's amplified when, when you don't have this window dressing around it. So uh, for better or for worse, it, it's just, it's just a lot, I guess. Now I, I want to pivot here just a little bit. It's a little couple impromptu questions for you, mm-hmm. just UFC more general questions about what's, what's kind of coming next here in terms of fight matchups. Um, obviously, the, the one that's getting teased now, the Gaethje one, is Gaethje and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Khabib. Uh, McGregor's also been, you know, teased with Khabib. Does, does Conor McGregor fit into that? You know, is, is that at all a, a triangle there? Is Gaethje Khabib kind of the, the lock so to it's be eventually, the fight there for the title? It's Where eventually does Conor the fit fight. In? And there's a way that Gaethje Conor happens first because um, Khabib's father is gravely is sick, really sick in a coma, right, in a coma right now in Russia. And um, from religious standpoints, from cultural standpoints, I don't know, and from you know an emotional standpoint, I don't know how much. Also, isn't also Habib still stuck in Russia, like he can't leave yet um, because of all? Yes, this? I don't know what the what the rule is there. So in the immediate okay. future, no, nothing's happening. But Justin Gaethje also can't fight. There's a, I think there's like a six week fight ban, or you can get you get fight bans depending on how much damage you took in your prior fight. So I don't know how long his fight ban is. Gotcha. But he can't fight tomorrow. Um, but from a Habib okay. standpoint, there's a lot of moving parts. His father being sick, the lockdown in Russia, um, once we enter holy season, then he can't fight either. I think I, I, you know, I'd be mischaracterizing knowing how long that is. But I think that's late summer. Correct. So okay. I think Dana wants to get Habib in an octagon before that. So then his fight break can be during holy season. Um, the fight to make right now is Gaethje and Habib. Habib holds the belt, Gaethje holds the interim belt, get him in a room, figure it out, throw the interim belt out, give one guy a belt. That doesn't mean Conor okay. sits on the sideline and waits. There's fights to be made in that weight class that's just chock full. And I think that Dana and the um, like, God, is it? Dana and the Masvidal camp right now want to make the Conor fight. I don't know where Conor's at on that, but... Masvidal has long said it's it's Connor, it's Connor, it's Connor because Masvidal understands the moment right now. He won that BMF title mm-hmm. over Diaz. Prior to that, lands the knee heard around the world on Ben Askren and that fight in like two seconds. So like his momentum right now calls for Connor, and you know that's it. Doesn't matter who's got the belt. Your biggest pay per view, your biggest payday as a fighter is going to be, and if you can get in a cage across across from Conor McGregor. Um, so I think yeah. Masvidal Connor. Uh, Habib Gaethje in a perfect world winners fight um, because okay. whoever wins Connor Masvidal will have a great case for a title bout, and whoever wins Gaethje and Habib will actually be the title holder. So, um, so would say Gaethje uh, now? I know Habib would be the heavy favorite. Say Gaethje yes. were to win that title, I know he's technically the interim champion, but you know it's really just kind of a, you're merging the titles, you're putting it up for grab. Would Habib still be next in line to get a rematch for that, or would Connor, you know, that, that's the best jump question that right and there. then? And I think rematches are 
often dictated by how the fight goes. I, I don't think it would, okay. it would ever happen, Justin Gaethje dismantling uh, Habib Nurmagomedov like that. But if that were to happen, then you can't really call for like if it's a first round knockout and not fluky, and he just beats your brains in. Um, you can't really yeah. call for a rematch if this thing goes the distance, if it's a split decision, if it's a a stoppage that was somewhat in question. Then yes, um, Habib would have the right to call for a rematch. But Dana would also have the right to say, "Kick rocks. Uh, we're going to put you. We're going to put you in a cage with Nick Diaz uh, or, or the other Diaz brother, or whoever he'd match him mm-hmm. up with, uh, um, because you know a, a title, a title shot, regardless of if you were the title holder and just gave it up, has to be earned. So, I mean, if you lose your belt, uh, you got to you got to be a big draw and a big name to get a shot to go back and get your belt." Not to say he'll be, not okay, to say he'll be present, but I think I think Dana mm-hmm. would be much more apt to put the winner of Conor Masvidal in a ring with Gaethje if that was a hypothetical that was to take place. Now, I do appreciate you clearing the air on a lot of these UFC, you know, questions, matchup stuff, because I know you're you know, hosting the UFC show last night. You got a lot of these guests. And while you might not be the analyst, you're at least mm-hmm. talking to the people who are in the know. So I appreciate you filling us in. I got one more Shoot. question for you, because I didn't watch this fight, but it, there wasn't much to watch because it only lasted about 20 seconds. But one of the bigger big winners from Saturday night seemed to be Francis Naganu. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the dude that he knocked out. Uh, in 20 seconds, but is he next in line for the uh, heavyweight championship fight, or are we going to see Stipe and, and Cormier for the third time, or what? Or, I mean, is he going to face the winner of that? What do you think is is next for him? Because he seems to be kind of the rising heavyweight. Uh, yeah, I Canada. think that um, you know heavyweights. heavyweight's He's a scary a little looking bit dude, more um, convoluted, and you have a bunch of. You know, Kodiak Bears running after each other, and it's Jarzinho Rosenstrike is uh, is the name. There you go. The, That's a great name. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. There's a there's a lot of good. No, names. just the last there's name. There's a lot Rosen of good names. Rosenstrike is a fantastic yeah, um, last name. Served his first loss on Saturday to Ngannou, and I think Ngannou's camp. Everything I heard was that Ngannou's camp was happy that he won, but they were almost pissed he won so quickly because there are a lot of questions around. You know his ground game, his legs. Everyone's worried about his legs. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so they're Didn't so skinny tested. and uh, for a big body. And um, you know, you, you get a guy who's working on those legs on the ground with kicks, you get in trouble. But um, in terms of what's next in the heavyweight division, um, it runs through Stipe, like you said. I don't know if Francis is there yet, and I don't know if you know. It's not just earning the fight; it's Dana taking care of his fighters. Dana knows when a, a fight should or shouldn't happen, and if Dana doesn't, and if mm-hmm. Dana feels like you know he's going to break some eggs putting Francis in a cage with Stipe right now, that he's not ready for that fight yet, he's not going to he's not going to blow the Francis opportunity here. He can make money off Francis and Gano for the time being, but if he goes and gets his head mm-hmm. ripped off by Stipe or someone else, you know, then you. You kind of ruin that your, takes your away the, the allure of them. There. Yeah. So I, I'm not positive on what lies next in the heavyweight division. Um, there are, you know, a number of names and some depth in that division. Uh, last yesterday night, we um, we saw a heavyweight fight in that co-main event that we were talking about. Uh, it was uh, Rothberg, and uh, he ended up winning. Uh, he ended up taking a decision over. Uh, uh, Oven St. Prue and um, you know Rothburn's another guy who wins a couple fights and he's got a case for, for the heavyweight belt so um, that one's a little less cut and dry and I think that one's a little less flashy 
uh, right now that that lightweight division um, is what everyone's concerned about with names like Connor, Gaethje, Habib, Nurmagomedov. The Diaz's are still a draw somehow. You know, there's there's guys there. Um, <laughs> not to say that there aren't guys in the heavyweight division, but I think that there's less star power. All right, dude, that was very well answered, and I, I feel like a much more educated, uh, you know, UFC. If you can call me fan, it's or, all that we have to uh, be a fan of right now. I guess watcher. So. I, 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 it's growing my interest in the sport. I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of it every day. Um, but I, I almost forgot whose turn it was for buy or sell, but I believe it's my turn to ask you um, because you asked me about yes. the empty arena. So I'm going to switch things to video games because that's what you do after talking about the most manly sport possible. We're going to flip things to Let's do it. Know, video games. Uh, PGA Tour sell. 2K21, their cover boy, cover boy, Justin Thomas. You buying or you sell? I, now I, I'm not... They, might not have had their pick of anybody they wanted, but if they got Justin Thomas, they probably had their pick of a few. Um, Justin Thomas, buy or um, sell I'd cover buy boy. him as the cover boy. I'm happy for JT. It's not an EA product, and Tiger had that long-standing relationship with EA. It was Tiger Woods Golf. like It was his game. So you weren't going to see Tiger yeah. on the cover of this thing. So if not Tiger, then who? The names that come to mind immediately, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, um, Spieth still has that name awareness, but he's not, you know, he's not playing well, playing well. but he can sell video games. We're not talking about playing well right yeah. now. Uh, Justin mm-hmm. Thomas had his struggles at certain points last season as well. Um, I buy JT as the cover athlete. I'm not going to buy the game. Uh, I saw the, the trailer for it. It, it doesn't it look, great. look great. It didn't look like, now I'm going to be golf snobby here. Didn't look like JT's swing. The sounds of the ball strike didn't sound good, and that was always a critique of the game. Mm-hmm. The courses, they looked like the courses, but they had that down in 2008. The graphic package didn't blow me away. Um, they used hip swing as the music. That was yeah, really that was weird. Like, it was really like, weird. I get it, fit. golf, hip swing, but like, give me a buildup. Give me something that makes me want to buy this game. I feel like it was a big miss. And, you know, 2K has often missed. You know, they have such great publicity surrounding 2K sports with NBA and that's that's the NBA game. That's that's been the that's no matter how much you love the NBA live and all the old NBA games, 2K is the yeah. epitome of basketball video gaming. They struggled with their shots at football way back when. They struggled with their shots at baseball. I mean, I I, I enjoyed some of those 2K baseball mm-hmm. games, but it wasn't MVP, you know, EA owned that space. This is 2K stepping into the golf space, which, which which wasn't their space. So I don't know what team they put together to make this game, but it didn't look like they spent the money they could have to make this game as good as it could have been. So I'm selling on the game. I'm yeah, buying on I, JT as the cover athlete. Yeah, I think JT is a very fitting cover athlete because if Tiger was going to be in the game, Tiger would be the cover boy. This all, all this tells us he's not. And then after that, I mean, you look at the list of the, you know, stars in the game right now the guys in the upper echelon jt is probably the most vocal probably the most flashy is a, not the right word but he makes give me sense a francesco for a molinari um, with him just with him just not uh, smiling him just stone-faced on the cover of the video game <laughs> i'll take a pass on that but i i'm with you on the uh um uh, the, the game itself i got really excited when i first saw the original you know kind of teaser and this trailer like the course graphics look really good because I, I mean like you said in 2016 like i thought the course graphics looked really good i thought the swing like i didn't realize that was yeah. justin thomas you know being featured in there until i saw like the picture on the cover i think the player graphics look 
not great. I thought the swings looked all pretty generic. And like you said, there wasn't anything unique about the swing that made you think it was JT. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not planning on buying it right away. Now, I, if it comes out and people are saying, you know, it's great, it's a really good game, maybe then I will. But I'm not a, when, it, when I first saw the teaser, I was all in on it. I was buying it. And after seeing the trailer, I've kind of taken a step back here. Um, I, I think I can just get along with my Rory McIlroy PGA Tour from 2016 or the Xbox 360 games, you know, with Augusta on them. Matt, I'll hey, be just fine with let's, those. Let's be honest with each other here. I'm turning 30. If, I'd like to I'm think we always 30 are. in five months. I only got so many hours Damn. in the day for video games. And those, and are, those are being spent being on Call of Duty. filled with hot drops to the dam in Call of Duty right now. So I really don't have time for... Nice win any, yesterday, buddy, by the way. I don't have any, I don't have any time for any other video games right now. So, um, you know, the, the hour or That's so fair. that I sneak in every other day on Call of Duty is, um, is where I'm going to try and keep it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm big. We're big uh, Call of Duty That said, guys, let's so wrap I, this I agree podcast up so we can, you know, get to the, get to the task at hand. <laughs> yeah, we got a – what time is it? 10 o'clock here. We got a, a strict 1130. We got an 1130 tea time. That's it. Um, um, so that was you. Uh, up up, up to you. Yep. Uh, Matt, buy or sell. We're going to go Jordan Doc here as we have to. It's obligatory if you're, you know, a sports Gotta podcast or a sports anything these days. Uh, buy or sell. The MJ Doc's explanation of the gap years. And I ask this lightly, and, and I'm trying to frame it around the death of his father. Um, it's mm-hmm. always been a question mark. There's always been the stories. We've always heard the rumors. This didn't necessarily dispel those rumors. It did give his reasoning. It did give Michael's reasoning, you know, not wanting to play in the number 23, not in front of his father when he came back in 45 and all those different mm-hmm. reasons, how he was burnt out on the game. And one could understand that when you see the, you know, publicity and the media coverage around him, but we never really got a, the rumors were never addressed. It was never refuted. And the link was never made between Michael's gambling past or his gambling addiction or issue, whatever you want to call it. And the death of his father. It felt like they mm-hmm. ignored it for it to go away or to not do credence to what they are calling strictly a rumor. So buyers buy, I guess the so question what is, is I just give my take on it. Buy or sell yeah, um, yeah. the documentary's treatment of the gap year. Were you left with questions? I think I don't think we're ever going to get the full. If we were, it was here, um, for, if that, and that's why I asked this question because when they came yeah, in, I think they said right. that you know this is going to make Michael look bad. It has yet to make Michael look bad. We know, I, I, we, I know we know, we know that he's a crazy competitor who punched his teammates in the chest. That's who Michael is. It's why we respect him. We love him for it. I thought when I heard that that there was going to be some illumination around this situation and Michael possibly taking more responsibility. Not to say that he should or shouldn't, but this is what I was maybe expecting. Was Michael to take a little bit more responsibility around this situation? Yeah, I think you and I talked about it on Sunday after the documentaries while we were playing Call of Duty, ironically enough. I think one of the first things I said to you when we hopped on the game together was like, we're, we're talking about this a little bit. And now it's been the last two weeks. You know, we've heard before the episodes, days leading up, like, oh man, people have seen this. They said they, they don't know how Michael Jordan yeah. allowed this to air or how he, you know, signed off on this. I haven't seen one thing that's been like, oh, this makes Michael Jordan look like that. I, I don't, 
we might have learned even more how competitive he is, but I don't think I've been like shocked to hear anything that he like did or said. Like, I, like the big bombshell stories, like are the Steve Kerr punch in practice that everybody knew about, or the Will Pool yeah. punch in practice that kind of everybody knew about. I guess that's a, that's a trend there. Um, but I'm with you. They they were a little bit vague for a documentary that decided to you know take the you know, pretty much dedicate an entire episode to it. Uh, I guess the only thing I came out of it buying was I- I'm pretty convinced now that this w- the, the you know underlying rumor that this was a David Stern suspension for gambling. I just I don't buy that. I don't think David Stern, given what we know about him, and, and I don't think he would have suspended Michael Jordan for unless he was gambling yeah. on his own team, which I don't think Michael Jordan would be dumb enough to there's do. There's always um, I don't think he'd have suspended him. I think he'd have handled it I'm somewhat glad. internally. And if you're going to suspend a guy, it was a really it would have been a really weird amount of time to suspend a guy. Um, I'm glad that you went the stern and there's route. Just, there's too. no way that I'm glad that, that you went the stern route because yeah. the one story that you always hear that supports the stern suspension is what he told AI when Iverson was giving him trouble and you know was kind of stepping out behaviorally. He told Iverson, or everyone says it, and Iverson said it before in the past, that he told Iverson, you saw what I did to Michael, I'll do it to you. So that's that's one kind of lore history story that that adds credence to, you know, the suspension aspect, but you know, that could have been Stern just like, that could have been Stern flexing his muscles on something that he was not responsible for. The amount of people that would have to that would know this and would have have to kept keep it covered up for this amount of time, I, I just it it seems hard for me to believe yeah. that. Um, and and also the amount of people around Michael who pretty much said after ninety three, you know, whether it was family members, whether it was Bulls teammates, you know, Tim Grover, whatever, who noticed just he wasn't himself after ninety three. He didn't have the same drive, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, that that. The, the timing of the retirement coming right kind of before the season is a little bit interesting, but at the same time, I just, I, I don't, I don't buy it with how many people are saying, you know, he, he wasn't himself after 93. His motivation was down, didn't have the drive. I don't think it was um, a gambling thing. Two parts here. One. Sure. I, I know it's Michael and I know the answer already, but why do we get mad about Scotty for getting a, a, a surgery right before the season? But Michael, says I'm going to play baseball right before the season and we're all up in arms just about Scotty and not Michael. Michael needs the time too. Um, a little bit more on the softer side, but um, one thing that I've really felt fortunate from this documentary is that you don't often get the chance to see unseen footage of individuals once they've passed. Usually when someone passes away, you've seen the archival footage, you've seen the interviews, you've heard all of the things that they were able to say during their lifetime. This documentary Mm -hmm. has allowed us to hear Kobe Bryant and David Stern speak post-mortem things that interviews that we had not seen prior. And I hope that, Mm -hmm. you know, I I feel like they have touched on the Kobe relationship. I'm not sure if we'll get any more Kobe. We might get some more Stern down the stretch in the last two episodes. It'd be very cool to see those two full interviews. I'd love to see those two full interviews because that's, you know, that's so unusual. That's so not the norm that you do an interview that happens so close to them passing and then sees the light of day post-mortem and those are just I want to I, I want to I, I characterize it correctly invaluable comes to mind um, those are 
um, mm-hmm. important for the families. Um, I, I hope that that Vanessa Bryant and the Stern family get those raw cuts just to have you know. 30, 60 more minutes of their loved ones sitting down talking about whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. I hope we get to see more of those, whether within the documentary or released after, like you said. But really, really interesting to have that perspective that we don't usually get. Um, so to your questions, you asked me the, why does Scotty get crap for 98, but Michael not get crap for retiring? You know, One's Michael Jordan, one's not. Season was one of them, right? <laughs> Um, what that, that is one. Another is, you know, Michael Jordan was dealing with the death of his father and did it as a, you know, retirement decision. Whereas I think Scotty made the decision 110% clearly out of spite, which he pretty much said he did it out of spite. Didn't care about his teammates. He just cared about how the organization yeah. was treating him. Um, so I think they're, they're kind of two different things. There. No, what, it wasn't what was really the other one? It was yeah, just more yeah, the, the point about Stern and Kobe. Oh, yeah. Well, those interviews, I'm with you. I would absolutely love to see both of those interviews in their full form. And I think in part, whether we get, you know, a full 60 minute, obviously edited somewhat version of that, or it just kind of comes out in, you know, Mm -hmm. two minute, you know, clips segments here and there for social and for the website, your sports center segments, what have you. um, I I hope we get to see that. I I do think we will. I hope so. All right. So it's my turn now, right? All right. Well, one of one of my favorite TV characters of all time, actors. I should have said actors. He was an actor who played one of my favorite TV characters of all time. Jerry Stiller passed yep. away earlier this week. Uh, you had a fantastic Instagram story highlighting his uh, his some of his How top could you moments. I know. I, I went Yuna. down. He hit three hundred last season. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> George is Frank Costanza. Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is dead. Call me back. Um, Jerry Stiller, best secondary. I, I, he never really had the starring role, but best supporting secondary yeah, not a, actor. Not a starring I would say, role of but, all time. That, not that's a starring my role, but uh, did steal a number of those episodes. Um, you couldn't have cast it any better. And I was thinking about it the other day. He's such a great character that he stands alone. But in the Seinfeld world, if George Costanza were to have a father, it would be Frank Costanza. Like, it would be Jerry Stiller. They both played so, those parts perfectly. They're both so neurotic. They're both so visceral in their emotions and how they, you know, and how they how they share those emotions. And it, he's just he's just absolutely perfect for the role, the way he played it. The, the Like I said, the episodes that he stole, I completely buy it. There's no better supporting cast character than Jerry Stiller as Frank Costanza. I was trying to think about it and like, you know, some other ones came to mind, which so I don't even know, but uh, there's yeah. really no one that touches Frank Costanza for me. The, the thing for Jerry Stiller too, for me, he did. I, I know um, Seinfeld. He was, was the dad in King of Queens then too. Greatest of all time. Hey, I, that's what I was going to say. King of Queens, Queens is nowhere near on that level. But that's one of that, you know, that's a show that I have on his background noise a lot that I can watch a lot. And he steals a lot of episodes in there, too, in his much older years. Um, but the, there's a, an interesting Frank Costanza, Jerry Stiller, you know, it, it was it had to be years ago. I was you know, in a YouTube rabbit hole mm-hmm. board watching some clips and something came on and he was getting I think it might have been like a behind the scenes interview type thing. But they're asking him about, you know, his trial for for Seinfeld, you know, season yeah. one, something like that. And. He was basically he he said that he was originally cast as basically this kind of silent guy who just like was completely you know dragged around by his wife and didn't never stood up to her and just kind of sat in the corner and took whatever and he said you know we were I forgot if it was an episode or if it was a, a rehearsal whatever but 
like there, there was one part where you know Estelle was just mm-hmm. reaming into him, and like he was just supposed, like his character was just supposed to sit there and kind of take it, and he just like as a as an actor just said screw it and just erupted mm-hmm. back at her, and like it basically, you know, birthed this character, birthed like the new route for Frank Costanza, and obviously, TV history is now completely different because of it, but it, it's wild that a guy who just completely took that you know decision by himself, cowboyed it, and, and became the one, if not the greatest secondary that's what they talk, that's, that's what it is in acting. It's about making those decisions, and no one made funnier decisions uh, than Frank Costanza. Best Frank Costanza scene I mean, the, the closing scene with Elaine at the police station when they're picking up George. You want a piece you of me? You want a piece of me? Are you saying you want a piece of me? What, what the hell? It like, means whatever you want it to mean, old man. Uh, th- that one, I mean, I feel like that one's got to be it. Um, the Jay Buhner one, just from a sports reference. There's the one, one so where him and, um, him and Estelle are, are broken up or separated, and and him and Kramer are trying to get the, the bro, bro episode. Estelle agrees to meet agrees to meet Frank and like opens the apartment, and Kramer's putting the bro on him. Well, my baby takes the morning train. She works. I believe that's playing when they're like trying to get the bro right. One of my uh, and I think may, it, it's not just frank it's a combined george mm-hmm. frank and estelle the uh it, it's the hand model episode where george is kind of primping his fingernails and estelle's yep. handing him the scissors and asking about the jello and then estelle and and frank get yelling about jello and that bananas in the jello it's like why'd yeah. you put the bananas in there george likes the bananas we'll let him have bananas um, on the side like they just go back and forth while the while the Lloyd Braun episode is more Estelle's time to shine. Frank's got a couple great one liners in the Lloyd Braun mm-hmm. episode as well. Ser- Serenity, Serenity now. now. How could we not say? How could we not say Festivus? You know, Festivus was kind of Frank's oh. moment in the series as well. The feats of strength. You've seen the poll. <laughs> the Festivus poll. Um, like, and we could go on because he was that great of a character, and I was kind of. I'm trying to rack my brain about who even comes into the conversation. And I think the the only thing that really came to mind was Dwight in the office. And Dwight, I feel like could be considered main cast. That that could be main character. Like I would, I would consider more of like, the those are the, the supporting cast. Yeah, Creed. Yeah, uh, and underrated. Creed's supp- a, I was Creed's say, Creed is my underrated supporting, yeah. supporting character. He just doesn't play as big of a role. He's got a line in Seinfeld, but he he has some stealing moment, you know, episodes or moments, stealing yeah. episode moments. Um, but none, nonetheless, you know, rest in peace, Jerry Stiller. I, I still love watching his content, his shows, and, and that's he's got some timeless stuff there. Clearly, as we've seen with Seinfeld, you know, still being as popular no as it is today. Underrated role in Zoolander too. Underrated uh, Mori Mor- Mor- Ballstein. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! All right, uh, you got one for me, I think. All right, Matt. Uh, some news emerged on Monday about some rumors uh, back in the Baker Mayfield draft when the Browns had the first overall pick. Um, couple rumors surrounding a possible Miles Garrett trade. And a sixth rounder uh, for Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright, a second and a seventh. But the mm-hmm. big one that made headlines was they were also talking about Russell Wilson in exchange for a package of picks, including the first overall pick. Was that so the Baker is, draft or the Garrett? This draft? is this is the Baker draft. Okay, uh, was it the Baker? I believe it was the Baker draft. I think. Right? I think. You, I believe you're right. Yeah, it was the Baker draft, and the Seahawks were thinking about parting ways with their then Super Bowl champion quarterback 
for the first overall pick. Um, it is being boasted as a rumor, but there is support to this rumor. There is reporting behind the rumor. Matt, buy or sell, and I think the way I want to frame this, if we are accepting this as rumor fact, yeah, whatever sure. it may be, buy or sell, this could throw a rift into the already shaky Pete Carroll relationship with some of his players, namely Russell Wilson. I don't think Pete and Russell have ever had problems personally, but you know Pete's had problems with some players. Buy or sell that this might have Russell Wilson looking at his leadership a bit differently. Uh, I don't think it's going to affect Russell at all, honestly. He seems like a pretty level-headed guy, and he, he, I don't think there's been much that he's ever really seemed to be angry about throughout his entire career. Uh, I do buy that, you know, it might make people think twice about signing a long-term deal with Pete Carroll or, or you know, that organization because you see the guy who just won you a Super Bowl, whatever, you know, a couple of years ago and, and has been a top five, if not He's higher. the greatest Seahawk of all time. Yeah, top five. He's the greatest Seahawk of all time. He's behind Griffey, the greatest Seattle athlete of all time. Joe, you could say like, he's the greatest Seattle athlete of all time because the, you could, you he, could. He won, and it's nothing against Ken Griffey Jr. He's literally my favorite baseball player of all time. Russell Wilson won a title. Ken Griffey Jr. never got passed in Absolutely. Uh, an ALCS. From a production standpoint, um, I think he is still from an icon standpoint. Griffey might the backwards hat might have. Him. That's that's where I don't understand why Russell Wilson doesn't get kind of the credit it seems like he deserves whether that's in Seattle or even around around the league in general I mean he's been if I got if you're asking me right now I need you know one drive to win a Super Bowl to win a big game you know I'm down four points I need a touchdown drive with two minutes mm-hmm. I'd be hard-pressed to not take Russell Wilson to be my quarterback to lead me down the field yeah I, I think he's the most underrated, undervalued quarterback in the NFL, and it's. I saw. I think I saw yesterday. He's never even gotten a single MVP vote, which is, I, I really have a hard time believing. But I don't think I, I'd have seen that on TV if it wasn't true. That said, if John Dorsey got this offer and said no, um, well, he, I know he's been fired, but he should be fired again. Again, they should again. hire him and fire him, and then yeah. one more time, three times. Yeah. That's, um, I don't care what you have to give up. If you're getting offered Russell Wilson for a bunch of unknowns, you take that and run in a heartbeat because that Browns team was already kind of on the upswing, had some young talent around it. Yeah, and uh, imagine I the Browns this, with Baker or Browns with Russ last year. I believe it was Chris Sims who made this claim on Pro Football Talk to uh, credit the rumor to who it should be, but. Yeah. Uh, Strange times that you'd even be shopping uh, a Super Bowl champion quarterback. If, if they're interested, we'll trade them uh, next Take year's it. first round Take pick and, you can Mitch, have, and Mitch Trubisky. You can have both. both of our quarterbacks. You got to take their contracts though. Um, yep. And we want Russell Wilson, and we'll call it a day. I want a piece of Pete Carroll's gum too. And Pete I Carroll's want, gum. I, I, don't want to know fl- I want to know what flavor he's chewing. Um, um, Matt, I think that's. I got one more. I got one more. It's just off yours there uh, because it's it's a similar Seahawk rumor that also surfaced, I believe, yesterday. So whoever is working in that organization is uh, (laughs) clearly sent out their uh, their source text yesterday. Um, Rumored that Cam Newton is a possible Seahawks target that they're open to bringing in Cam Newton. So I'm going to buy or sell. That makes sense, I guess. Buy. Buy or sell Cam Newton to the Seahawks makes sense. 100% buy it. Um... I'm not going to go as far as to say the quarterbacks are stylistically similar, but the skill set is similar. I think Cam could. I, I know he's a former MVP and um, you know took his team to the Super Bowl, but I think he could learn a lot from Russell Wilson uh, in the sense that 
Russell adjusted his game when he needed it to much mm-hmm. sooner than Cam did, but Cam is in a genesis right now where he needs to adjust his game. He needs to, um, you know, hone that pocket ability, you know, use that mobility within the pocket and when you need it outside of the pocket. But, you know, now's not the time to be putting our shoulder down and running for seven yards mm-hmm. um, in Cam Newton's career. So I think that it would make sense. I still do think that regardless of the conversation we just came off of, I still do think that Seattle is a player's destination. Cam Newton needs that. Cam Newton needs to be told how great Cam Newton is. And I think in the backup role, Pete Carroll will still cater to Cam Newton's ego. Um, you're only as good as you're too deep and the market on Cam Newton right now is non-existent. So whoever gets Cam Newton is going to get him for six, seven million dollars a year tops uh, as a backup quarterback, probably on a one year deal. So take the flyer, bolster your two deep and have two guys with Super Bowl experience in the same quarterback room. Show me where that's a bad thing. I think it makes sense on paper. And I, I think if Cam were to take a backup role, that is and probably the destination. And he has come out and said that he's, he'd sense. like to be a starter, but he's open to a backup role. Which is why I think when no one signs you exactly. in 60 days. I do think eventually, I mean, eventually he, he's probably going to have to settle for that role because I think if a team wanted him to start, they'd have done it by now. Yeah. Um, that said, I think he's going to hold out for probably as long as he possibly can until he accepts that backup role. And when he does, I do think Seattle makes more sense than just about anywhere. So I guess uh, I I buy that. I just don't think it's happening for a little while because Cam doesn't have to make a decision yet. And I think he's going to hold out for as long as he can before he decides on, you know, being a backup. Uh, Matt, you're going to take us on a little, uh, little round to 18 here. Got around it is credit, credit listener of the pod, even though he's highly critical of us on on Twitter a lot. Uh, Rob Gallick sent me this link. Um, Googling some, some golf hypotheticals for us, some golf mailbag type questions. And we found this, mm-hmm. it's from 2017, but it's a golf.com poll. Just it, it's 18 quick hitter, fun questions that, that, you know, asking you about your, your golf round, your golf fandom, golf experience, all that stuff. Let's try and, let's try and rapid fire a couple word answers. And, uh, yeah, keep, keep it short and sweet, but you know, uh, you can, you can elaborate a little bit. Hole, in hole number one, your ideal round, you're walking or riding. Uh, Six weeks ago, I would have said riding, but walking with a caddy if it's That's, an option yep. or walking with a push cart. I, I've just really fallen in love with it. I like walking with the caddy. I still think ideally I would ride over the push cart, but I'm much more open to walking with the push cart because this has forced me to do it. Too much manual I labor, be, I feel. Uh, you get it. You know, I don't want my back to get all messed up when I'm trying to swing. Number two, you got time for only one for your pre-round warm-up. You're hitting the driving range or putting green. Uh, depends the quality of the course. If it's a quality course, putting green, because I know that green is going to be rolled similar to mm-hmm. the other 18 out on the course. If you're at you know a track where maybe they don't take as good care, you're not going to get a good read off that green, so why not go loosen up the body if I only have time for one? Then I go to uh, the driving range. But just glossing over it, putting green. So I will say, I, I'm going to go back here. And number one, the percentages of the vote, 64 people percent said walking, 36 said riding. In this, okay. we have 53 at driving range, 47 at putting green, so a tight, um, oh, yeah. a tight result there. I'm going to go everybody driving range. I think it's fairly easy, uh, easy decision for me. I need to get loose. I, I need to warm up and just kind of a couple swings with the driver and some stretching with the clubs isn't enough. I, I do your, your theory about the, you know, hitting the practice green on the nicer courses makes a lot of sense and it's absolutely mm-hmm. correct. But that said, you know, when I'm playing one of those nicer courses, I just kind of assume, kind of know these are going to be fast greens. 
And while it might take a hole or two for me to adjust, maybe you drop a ball on hole one after you hit your first putt and kind of hit one more, kind of get a little bit of read of it there. You can kind of fake your way through a practice green. I think you can't really... There, there's no way to fake the driving range warm-up. I, I like 10 minutes of swings in there for me. I have an in-car, I have an in-car stretching routine if I'm running late for a tee time. See, I, don't, I need to sw- I, I, I can't up. swing the club in the car, though. I need to, yeah. I need to get some it's actual true. swings in. Uh, when it comes to the rules, Joe, do you hole three? buy the book? Hole three. When it comes to the rules, do you play buy the book or fast and loose? Um, I hate to give another two scenarios here, but I, I like to keep it by the book when one, there's money on the line Two, I'm playing for handicap score. Mm-hmm. If we're out there screwing around and I go out at a four thirty twilight, we're just trying to rip through it. You might lose a ball. You might drop one here. You might play it a little faster and lose. So I think the situation calls for it, but Hey, let's hold the rules dear to our heart. Let's try and keep this game as great as it is. I, I'm a little bit, I, I I mean, I'll never – I don't mind going by the book. Obviously, if you're playing like an actual match and stuff, you kind of have to. But even mm-hmm. if I'm playing with some money on the line with some buddies, like I'm more of – like if, if we're playing – if somebody's Man, got manipulation a Manipulation of the rules is just as if important. If somebody's got a fried <laughs> egg in a bunker, I, I'm more like, hey, like that's yeah. not a real golf shot. We're not good enough to hit that shot. You know, I – I'm okay with adjusting lies in that regard, but for the most part, other than that, I say by the book. But like, if if we're golfers that have unfair lies that you know we're we're plugged or we're playing, I had you know, a, sh- in a I had a shot on Thursday that was in a half. Divot. I had a, a shot on Thursday that was half plugged, and uh, I called over my playing partners, and it was par five, long bomb my drive, mm-hmm. hit a beautiful hybrid about five yards short of the green but plugged in some uh-huh. wet stuff and i go is that you know is that a embedded do i get a drop from there and my boss it's obviously my boss and he's laughing give me a hard time because i want to see you play it played it like a bunker shot got it to the green about a 15 footer missed it tapped in for um for the part but uh you know it's all it's all i guess my point in saying that is it's all situationally based call in your playing partners see what you want to do as long as everyone's in agreement and on the same page yeah I'm with you you. Just everybody to, needs to be on the same abide, page you don't have to abide by the letter of the law but don't cheat. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's great. I'm okay with being fast and loose. If massage being, if, the rules, if, if everybody's kind of yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. Know, know yeah. which rules you can be a little bit fast and loose with. People said sixty percent by the book, forty percent fast and loose. Um, yeah. This is and a thirty percent of that sixty percent are all cheaters. So that's what that's a hundred percent. That's Judge Smales kicking his ball out of the out of the rough. Exactly. The uh, hole number four. Which of these two events would you rather attend? The Masters or the Ryder Cup? Masters. I. I would love to attend both. I have attended one of them, and I haven't attended a Ryder Cup. I would still go back to the Masters before Ryder Cup. Uh, this is easy for I think we're oh eighty one percent said Masters, nineteen Ryder Cup. This is going to be real easy for both of us. Uh, greatest golfer of all time is Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Uh, surprisingly, sixty two percent of the people said Jack Nicholas. Thirty eight percent said Tiger Woods. This was also old 27- people are starting to find the internet though. Old this was also twenty seventeen though, so this was True. before Tiger was hashtag back. Yeah. Uh, driver in hand, you prefer to tee it high or tee it low? Situational. Situational. All situational. I like that. What's your what's your standard? What's your go to? It's you know high, seventy degrees. It's a nice sunny day. It's straight away high, right to left draw, swing hard, and good things happen. Um, high, and you know, hope it's if it's seven fairways to the left, if it's the fifteenth hole, and you know we got a good number work in here, and I just need something safe and in the fairway, but like I'm not really vibing with the three wood, and the hybrid's not enough. You need to hit driver, tee it a little lower, play that slappy cut out there, and. You know, 
my, to see another day. My favorite shot is you tee it up really. Now you have to have a mountain off to the left of you, but you tee it up real high. <laughs> you have about six or seven beers, and you and you just let one try and go hit on the apex 15. of the mountain. And what and you it, do is yeah. you have that mountain there as security. You hit it left. You hit your big slice, and then you bank it off the mountain back into the fairway. You make par from there. It's it's the best way to play golf. It's the Matt Rooney Desert Classic. It's, it really is. Seventy uh, percent said tee at high. Thirty percent said tee at low. If you can only carry one or the other in your Joe, uh, your bag, Joe. This is all number seven. Hybrid or three iron? Uh, hybrid. I'm going three iron. I, I I can't hit a hybrid. I've had one before. I just I can't. It doesn't work for me. I don't hit yep. the three iron very often, but it's there for me. I think when when you gotta, I never really hit it off the fairway, but it's a solid long iron off the tee that you can still hit pretty straight. Eighty-one percent said hybrid, three percent said nine iron, or I'm sorry, nineteen percent said three iron. Um, a little distance there. This is this is an interesting one. Would you rather drive it as long as Justin Dustin Johnson or as accurate as Zach Johnson? Accurate as Zach Johnson. Um, we're playing courses that tip out majority of the time no longer than what 6600 yeah. maybe we'll play a couple long ones that if you're tipping them out they'll get near 69. yeah maybe if you're playing like whistling championship score uh, course from the tips which god forbid why would you ever do that no you, you know you're getting it up <laughs> to 71 72 but like we you don't need uh, the game is i'm i'm already realizing that when i have the driver going I don't hit a lot of mid irons. Mm-hmm. You know, you're leaving yourself a lot of 130, 100 yard shots at most of these courses that we're playing. If you're really getting into your driver, I, I don't want to reduce the game to, you know, bomb and gouge. I, I like having to sport my way around a course. And if I could have the accuracy of Zach Johnson, geez, I mean, that's as, like, as tempting as it is to average day. 330 off the tee, which would be well, so, for who? so cool. For who? I'm, I'm saying, well, DJ. Yeah, but like I'm well, saying well, for I'm you saying. out saying. on a course. Well, that Joe, you didn't let me come on. Let me, I'm saying as cool as that would be, the amount of times I've said over the last couple of years on a golf course what I would kill to be able to play, you know, quote unquote old man golf, and like, I, I I can hit the ball two hundred when I get a hold of it. I would trade that any day of the week to be two fifty, two forty, right down the middle every single time. I would kill for that. Ian Scores McGuire. would be that much better. I'll, I'll hit one. I'll hit it. I'll club up on my on my fairway irons. And, and Ian McGuire hasn't shorter. missed a fairway since the turn of the century, and he will not miss a fairway. Um, and that's why he scores. This one's close, Joe. We got uh, Dustin Johnson. Is it well, as long as Justin Johnson forty nine is accurate as Zach Johnson fifty one percent? So that idiots, was it. I, I agree, but it, 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 <laughs> it the, the tempt the temptation of being able to hit it three thirty yeah. every time is is there. If you can get one lesson, it would be from Butch Harmon or Hank Haney. Butch Harmon, because Hank Haney's a rat. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> I and read the was, book. He's a that was pretty, I haven't read the book because I don't really read that often, but you read the book, you trust yeah. it, and it, it doesn't seem like he's all that great of a guy or well-liked. 74% said Butch Harmon, 26% said Hank Haney. Joe, we're, we're making the turn. We're hitting the back nine. you, you gotta got to use the restroom. you got to grab a quick water, beer, something uh, like that. If you got a brat, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a brat. Well, we're going to get to something like that. There, okay. there is a question regarding those on the back nine, so let's hit it. Your dream golf de- destination is Scotland or Ireland? Scotland. I'm with you there. Just If St. Andrews isn't there, yeah. I think it's a debate. But with St. Andrews being there in Scotland, I think it has to hey, be Scotland. you're already across the pond. Why don't you hit both? You know what? That's not a bad idea, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, 70% of the voters said Scotland. 30% said Ireland. Uh, you can make a great golf trip out of either. From the apron of the green, Joe, are you pulling a wedge or a putter? Situational. I agree. What am I looking at? 
Um, you got more you, times than not. More times than not, a wedge. I'm very confident. Say, you got you got forty feet. Green. You got forty feet. Forty feet, but like we said, are we at stream Fair song enough. or are we at a lush course playing playing the black at um, at Beth Page? Yeah. Like it, it's gonna it, the growth of the grass, the direction of the grass. It's all gonna tell you differently. Um, but I think. I'd lean towards wedge in more situations than not. Seven times out of ten, I'd say I'm probably taking a wedge just because it's going to do something similar, and I think I can control where that wedge is. You know, the little bump yeah, and run, even if I want it, is going to go. I was going to say, I'd say like wedge. six out of ten, yeah. I'm probably going wedge. Three out of ten, I'm going with the putter. And one out of ten, I'll bump a little hybrid up there, get a little euro going. This is not terribly surprising to me, but we are in the minority here. Seventy percent of the, the voters say putter. Oh, yeah. Thirty percent say wedge. I'm not surprised. Most of the people I play with in that situation do try and put it yeah um during a round this hole number 12 during a round you're a boozing or b abstaining situational situation i i mean i don't i don't booze every round but i like to drink on the golf course what's that i want you to like i want the question to to define boozing more because like if i'm having you know a beer on the back nine or a beer you know cracking a beer i can't remember the last time yeah i can't remember the last time i was like Three sheets to the wind on a golf course. It's I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, so I'd say I guess I'd lean towards abstaining. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. I, I don't it, it, define boozing. Yeah, I'm not getting really. I'm not getting drunk on the golf course, but I'm also not. I, I still like having a beer. So 76% say abstaining, 24% say boozing. At the course, Joe, this is number 13. Your cell phone policy is mm-hmm. in your pocket, in your bag, in your car. Uh. Probably in my cart. I'd go D. Other. Um, okay. I you should say bag slash cart. I think that's. I get. I get. Thing there. I get bag anxiety if my bag's not on my back. Like if my bag's on the back of the cart, mm-hmm. I, I get anxiety that like did I zip the pocket? Did I like is my phone in there? I kind of need it in eye shot, not to check it, but to know that it's there. I yeah. have a problem. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I like to videotape my friends swinging golf clubs. So I used to, my, I used to be my, in, you, you, are, you are very good at that, Joe. You got some fantastic shots. Yeah. In kid understands, kid understands lighting and frame. And, and what, what I, do? what I like about you, you weren't Thank afraid me to, later for the Instagram likes. There were, there were a number of holes that, you know, number of shots that, you know, I was getting ready to tee off. Somebody, somebody's getting ready to tee off. And Joe was like, it was one of these, you know, like like elevated tees a little bit. Joe's on the back slope of one of the tees laying down, getting the underneath <laughs> shot of a slow-mo video. Very dedicated photographer. We all appreciate He's it. He's halfway I'm, up the mountain. I used to be an in-the-pocket guy. I'm becoming more of an in-the-bag, in-the-cart kind of guy. Very nice. Um, and, and that is the answer for 73% of the voters. 14% say pocket. 13% say car. I'm guessing a lot of those 13% that said car are a lot of the older gentlemen who don't always have their cell phones on them anyways. Yeah. Uh, or uh, women. I forget my cell phone. There you go. The ideal number of holes in one day. Nine, 36. 18, or 36. 36. I'm going to go 18. Uh, I, I think 18 is a good amount. I mean, again, this is a little bit situational. Kind of depends the... If you're on a golf trip, if you're doing kind of what we, yeah. you know, what we did at, at Sand Valley, what we did in Palm Springs the last couple of years, there, there's room for 36 in a day, but it's a lot of golf. I'm going to stick with 18. 36 also insinuates that you have nothing else going on in your life, which is a great place to be. That's also fair. That's a fair point. That means you have really nothing else going on right your responsibilities. That's a good, good counterpoint. Uh, oh, you're ignoring them in which I case, think, God bless. I think what we can both agree is that nine is nowhere near. No, nine's, nine's like 
it's five o'clock and I just need to go swing a golf club. Yes. It's, I need, I got a, I got an hour before sunset and I got some free time. Yeah. Let's go play as many as we can. Even then you usually end up playing closer to like 12 or 14. Yeah. Um, all right. Number four, sorry. 3% of people said nine, 72% said 18, 25 said 36 in most rounds. You kind of answered this already. This whole number 15, you prefer mm-hmm. to a T it forward or B play the tips. Um, between, I like to play one in front of the tips. And I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. on the pod before. I like to play, if there's golds all the way in the back, give me the black tee. If there's no gold tee, give me the blue tee in front of the black tee. Like I, I like, it doesn't matter. I like to play courses from like 6,500 yards. 66. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it's always for me checking the scorecard and kind of seeing yeah. where, you know, what, what each tee tips out at. Yeah. I will almost never play the tips really unless I'm playing with my brother Mike and it's just the two of us and he says I'm going to play here. At some point, I, I'm not nearly as good as he is, but I can hit the ball, you know, at least far enough where I'm not completely out of, you know, out of my league hitting from the tips. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'll do it then from sometimes, but even then, like that's just an exhausting round. Like yeah. I played, I remember played dubs one time from the tips with Mike and I was like physically just exhausted. Extra, after. Yeah. You're walking an extra half mile to get back to those tee boxes. Just like, the, the idea going driver, five iron driver, six iron, every hole is just, it's a completely different field, a completely different game than yeah. what we're doing. You'll know, go driver eight most of the time, but that's it. I, I like kind of team, not totally forward, but I'm with you. It, it's fine. The, you know, 65, 66, 6,400 type, you know, and play those. I'm with you there. Yeah. 65% say T at four. 35 said play the tips. Number 16, the most iconic par three in America is number seven at Pebble Beach or number 12 at Augusta? Seven Pebble. I agree. Um, it, it, well, Augusta might be the most iconic course in America. Uh, I do think seven at Pebble, that hole itself holds a little bit more I guess I, I'm uh, lucky so enough. Historical value is the right word. You lucky enough to have stood on that tee box and not playing, but looked out at the Pacific Ocean, and it just doesn't feel like there should be a golf course there. It doesn't feel like there should be a mm-hmm. golf hole there. You're hanging off a cliff at the end of the earth, and there's nothing like it. I also think like Augusta, while 12 is the feature hole likely at Augusta, like 12 or Augusta has another par three that kind of competes with it. Yeah. In sixteen, and in terms of not not necessarily in you know tournament moments in ter- in terms in not in terms of you know aesthetics obviously because with the azaleas and and, and yeah. uh, um, Ray's Creek and all that stuff like obviously that's you know, and the most, be- like, the beauty of it too Matt is I think they say twelve plays like one hundred and thirty five yards and seven plays like anywhere from like one hundred seven to one ten yeah so like there's two shorties but win factor two of the tougher par threes scoring average wise that you're going to see on tour yeah but uh, it, i think you you said it right like 16 at augusta in terms of actual moments probably rivals if not upstages number 12 at yeah. least in the last few years so just I, coming I, I, I out the stretch at that tournament 70 percent of the voters said augusta 30 percent said pebble beach i, I would <laughs> guess a lot of the voters voted augusta because it says augusta in the title um yep. that, that would at least attract some voters um number 17 facing a risky approach to a par five you're more likely to go for it or lay up situational but um i like to give her a shot if there's a good miss up around the green let me have it mm-hmm. i i'm with you i'm usually of the let's lay it up you know let, let's take out the eight iron let's take out the seven iron club i know i hit well and just kind of hit it up the fairway that said it's usually ironically enough i'm playing a bad round and it's just more of like a 
all right, who cares? Let's take out the three wood. Sometimes you hit a good three wood in that situation. It kind of turns you around a little bit, gives you more confidence. Sometimes you just completely shove it off to the left and yeah. your round continues to stink. Then you, then that's when you would go to the boozing stage and the boozing versus that's stage. When so it kind of makes the yep. decision for you. Um, what hole are we on here, Matt? What's up? What hole are we on this here? This is 17. So we're now, okay. if, if we're done with that, 64% say lay it up, 36 say go for it. The last question, Joe, number 18. It's an iconic mm-hmm. finishing hole. Um, the most important question of all, at the turn, you're grabbing a burger or a hot dog or other. My headphones literally fell out right when you said the most important question Classic. at the turn. Classic. Uh, I'm guessing you're saying turn most, meal? At the turn, you're grabbing a burger, hot dog. This, The other option, I think, is a joke, says wheatgrass smoothie, so we're not going to even acknowledge that. We're going to change I'm that. I'm listening. To, we're going to change <laughs> Yeah, of course you are. You don't live in California anymore, Joe. Uh, we're switching that to other. So burger, hot dog. Can I get some spirulina at the turn? <laughs> Jesus. Um, burger, hot dog, or other, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd go other. If I can get my hands on a nice, clean, grilled chicken sandwich, that's perfect for the turn. Good fuel for the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not burping up the hot dog. I'm not, um, you know, I, I, I just don't crave a burger on the course, I guess. Um, I want something that I can wolf down. Like I said, brat, chicken sandwich, or let's get to the tent. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, do, you not, power, do you have two power bars and let's get to the tent? That's tenth. more where I am. I'm, I'm not yeah. really a meal person. I, I'm not a big sandwich person, big meal person. It's going to, like, I got to sit down and eat. Like, I, give me a like, Snickers. Don't ask me. Give me some peanut me, M&Ms. Give me a Don't ask me bar. if I want French fries or sweet potato fries. Like, neither. Yeah. Ne- I'm, I'm playing I, golf. I, I'm, I'm playing golf. I don't want to have to worry about something I'm putting condiments on. And yeah. I know some people are big on a hot dog. You can eat kind of quickly, but you're, I, I give me a Snickers, give me some peanut M&Ms, give me a cliff bar, maybe a, a thing of beef jerky, whatever. And let's, let's just go. I'll kind of eat as I go here, grab a handful of this, a bite of that. And then we're just going to keep playing golf. And then I'll eat Most, after the main, after the room. And you said it right there, Matt. Just give me golf. And I think that is a great note to go out on here on the Moose and Moons podcast, episode 153. By the way, I, I forgot the, as we did the podcast. It is 153. The major, okay. Big shocker. You forgot what episode we were on. What do you got? Um, the majority of the voters said hot dog. The, the 68% hot dog, 24% said burger, 7% smoothie, said smoothie. So we're not even going to acknowledge those people as existing. Shout out to my wheatgrass smoothie people. You know, keep on keeping on. And don't let them tell you different, all right? Did you throw an Oreo in there or something? You got, you got nothing for me, man? I got, I got nothing for that. <laughs> nothing in the face of green smoothies. No. Um, but uh, another good one in the books, Matt. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Moose and Roots Podcast, episode 153. We will be back next week on what I assume will be a normal podcast and schedule. Thank you for bearing with us. Last week, we gave you two. This week, you always come out on top when you're listening to the Moose and Roots Podcast. It's true. For Matt, I'm Joe. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Joe, we'll see you on Call of Duty, all right? Let's, let's all get right. it up. <laughs> Later. My George isn't clever enough to hatch a scheme like this. We got that right. What the hell does that mean? That means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You saying you want a piece of me? I could drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it! May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.